Hey everyone, welcome to the Mass Construction Show with today's guest, Joe Lombardi, Superintendent at Shawmut Design and Construction. I'm your host, Joe Kelly, and this is a podcast about all things construction in Massachusetts and beyond. In this episode, Joe talks about the transition from residential construction to the commercial world. We discuss what were some of the hurdles in making that transition, but also what are the transferable skills that ultimately made it a success. We also talk a lot about the adoption and use of technology, specifically in the field. Joe has a diverse background as a framer, business owner, manager, and superintendent on some amazing projects. So no matter where you sit in the world of building buildings, you'll want to have a listen. Enjoy the show. Hey, Joe. Welcome to the Mass Construction Show. Thanks for having me. It's coming out. Um, So, Joe, um, you know, some people have heard me say in the past that when I started this podcast, I wanted it to be for everybody within the construction industry. Um, And, you know, we all work in our different sections and we see different things. But I always felt like, especially as a superintendent, I got handed a set of drawings. And I never know what went into that to get to that point where I have a set of drawings and said, hey, here's the drawings, go build this. Right. Right. So I was always kind of fascinated, like, how did it get a permit? Yeah. How did they decide this piece of land? You know, what did the GMP process look like? All, all these things that happened that I didn't know. Um, and, this, and that's just one thing. That's just my view as a super, but I'm sure PM has thoughts and different people within the business. And that can be um, within different segments of the business as well. Um, so I was thought you know, you would be a great opportunity to talk about um, coming from the residential world to the commercial construction world. Sure. So just to set the groundwork, what was your, right now, and I'll say it in the intro, but you're you're a superintendent in a commercial construction company. Um, But what was your background prior and how did you come to where you are? So, you know, basically my whole life has been construction. My, My family had a pretty large residential uh, home building uh, construction company when I was growing up. My grandfather was the president of that company. So it was, you know, spent a lot of time with him, um, spending, spent a ton of time on, on job sites, after school weekends, school vacations. So uh, kind of, that's what kind of set the tone for me and kind of knowing what I wanted to do with my life, kind of, you know, going through high school and college. Um but really, my my skill set is res, is framing. So I, I uh, my father's a framer. Uh, I learned the the skill from him or the trade from him, and uh, I did a lot of residential framing uh, coming out of high school, um, my time off in college, and then after college, basically, you know, houses, condos, duplexes, um, nothing really massive, no major commercial stuff, but a lot of residential. Uh, residential single-family homes uh, and then we talked I mean you were getting down dirty you were operating equipment you were right so I you know road work yeah so framing was my was my uh, was my trade and then my uncle took over my my grandfather's company Uh, my uncle's a very good businessman kind of took the the company to a different level Um, started building subdivisions hundred houses uh, went into uh, condos, 150, 200 condo subdivisions. And I ended up kind of transitioning to go work for him. Uh, did everything with him from being a laborer to run, being a super. And, um, uh, you know, around 2007 ish, he bought a uh, road company and I kind of sparked my interest, wanted to run some heavy equipment. Mm. 
Um, never really did that type of work, so was able to learn utility work, going through streets, um, bringing water lines, sewer lines, uh, drainage, catch basins, all that stuff, for anything that has to do with roads. And then uh, we also did, you know, digging foundations, septic systems, stuff like that for him. Um, but that was, you know, that was basically my background before yeah. I came to work for Sean. Yeah. It was interesting. We were chatting. I did not know <clears throat> you had a stretch in there where you had your own uh, framing yeah. subcontract right. company. Right. Um, what was it like working for yourself? Very difficult. Very difficult. Really? Okay. You, you, like, you know, a lot of people, the time that I did go off on my own, uh, I had... Uh, I did have a framing business. I had, I did pretty well for myself. My uncle was my main client. Mm-hmm. You know, he was building between sixty and hundred houses a year. Um, I had two crews. I had about thirteen guys working for me. Um, but it was challenging. It was a tough. It, it was a good time to be a framer. It, you know, that was the time when the banks were just dishing out money. Yeah. People were buying houses everywhere. My uncle was very busy. Um, but also, there was a lot of competition. You know, there was. Everyone in everyone thought they were a, a builder or a framer or anyone with a hammer. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, I tried to do things the right way. I had workers' comp, liability insurance, payroll taxes. Mm-hmm. Tried to pay fair wages to my guys. And uh, it, it was tough. It yeah. was tough to compete with some of the other crews that were, you know, just trying to make a buck, you yeah. know. And I was trying to... It, it's funny. It sounds almost like a... Uh similar to like the dot-com bubble, right? Yeah. Where you just threw her on the sofas.com and right. people were, you know. All over the place, yeah, just buying shares, in. Yeah, right? buying shares, right. So it was, you know, it was it was fun. I mean, I had a ton of fun. I had an awesome crew. Uh, a lot of them were my friends that, you know, worked for my dad and myself when I was framing for my father. And when I started on my own, they came to work for me. And I mean, we, I mean, we did awesome. We, it was, you know, we had these houses down pat. We didn't have to look at the drawings. You know, we just mm-hmm. show up. We could three days. We have the gables up. Five days the roof was on. Seven days you're walking out of there onto the next one. And um, you know, just towards the end of the towards the end of the run there, it it just got tough to compete with some of the other companies that were out there that didn't do things. I would say maybe above board. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the unfortunate unfortunate side that you see more. On the residential world than you do on the commercial. That's world. right. It, I mean, it happens in the commercial world, but just it's not as. It's not. It's yeah, definitely not as prevalent. Prevalent as yeah. it is in the residential end. Yeah. Um, so, like the dot com, that run up ended poorly, right? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good. So, um, and I think you, when we had chatted before, you had went. Um, back in a more like senior role with your uncle kind yes of. yep so i i wrapped up and uh closed up the framing business and uh, i ended up going back to work for my uncle and um you know this was 2008 2009 um you know 2008 was a great year for him i think he built and sold maybe 70 houses that year closed on 60 or 70 houses that year um, we put a lot of money into some new subdivisions we were building houses in wayland north attleboro Sharon, we were putting roads in. You know, we probably had close to 700 or 800 lots available for someone to come in and move into. Um, and then 2009 came and just dried up. It just dried up. Mm-hmm. Banks tightened up. People weren't getting mortgages. Uh, they weren't, banks weren't dishing out the money, the builders. Um, and I think we sold four houses that year. And uh, so things got, things definitely got tight. And then 2010, I kind of transitioned out of there and, 
went to work for uh, for Charlotte. Yeah. So, uh, and now, uh, I'm asking it this way, um, and and uh, I'll say my side of things. So, like, even I, I came from a commercial construction background yep. and then became a building inspector. I was very comfortable in a high rise and very comfortable with smoke control systems and elevator pressurization and fire alarms yeah. and all that, all that stuff, yeah. right? <clears throat> and then I went to be a building inspector and luckily I was in a downtown ward, but there was occasions where I'd be going to do inspections on a single family. Right. Don't and, have that stuff. And it was just odd because I was like, I am less comfortable. Like I knew, really? I, I knew enough that I could yeah. do the inspection. They didn't have a problem because the code's a code, but like... Wood frame is not yeah. what I'm cussing. I just didn't have the experience okay. with it. So I have to imagine that, um, like, what did you kind of fear the most when you were looking to say, okay, I'm going to go work in commercial construction oh. and make that? You know, the build, the... And, know, not, and, and let me re, let me be yeah. very specific. Um, not what ended up being the most difficult, but, right. but before making the jump, not knowing what it was like, what were you fearing, whether that became a reality or not? But if you think back when you were like, all right, I'm going to do this and I'm going to go in for my interview, right. like what was... So I think, you know, I think it was probably mechanical systems out of, yeah. out of everything. You know, mm. I was pretty comfortable with, you know, some structural work, concrete, steel. I mean, I went into a ton of those things residential, but... You know, I was familiar enough with how the build and, you know, what connections were and welding and, you know, what was rebar was and I could read drawing. So, you know, it really wasn't the structural end. It was more the mechanical. We didn't do any of that mechanical stuff. In, mm-hmm. I mean, it was in the residential end. It was just, you know, a furnace or a boiler and some duct work, you know. Yeah. And then you come in, you get a mechanical set of drawings now for a construction job, which you don't get that in the residential world. Mm-hmm. And now you're looking at heat pumps, heat exchangers. VAVs, um, you know, all the bells and whistles that go into a mechanical system for a typical commercial project. And my head was spinning, you know, yeah. and it's like, and, you know, I knew about that stuff coming into it and I'm, I knew I had to learn it. I knew yeah. I had to learn it. So that was probably one of the, the toughest things for me was I didn't even know where to start. I didn't even know the terminology. I didn't know anything when it came mm. to mechanical systems. Yeah. Was that, so that was your concern even before you got there? Yeah, I think, yeah, I yeah. think so. I think, you know, I knew enough. I knew how to read drawings. I knew how to build. I knew how to, you know, I was a framer, so I had a pretty good understanding of how things went together. And but I did not have the mechanical. Even to this day, you know, I can't change my own oil in a car. I, you know, I'm mechanically not inclined. You I, I know, am, it's funny. <laughs> so, I'm the same boat. Like I, yeah. I, I, my wife and I bought a house and we gutted the whole thing, and I probably did 75 percent of it. Like yeah. I can do it but i'm not mechanically inclined yeah like i don't at all yeah so like if i just did a bathroom over a small bathroom like i didn't even want to even think about touching the plumbing plumbing systems or the electrical systems like it's just much worth it for me to to pay somebody to come in and do it but But i think that's actually it's funny i found with the education side of things Mm -hmm. that i do and even when i was at the agc you come out with a CM degree or a civil degree. Right. So whether you want that path as a carpenter or you go civil um, or CM, yep. we took one class. It was I called Basic Building Services. And really? it covered, covered plumbing, heating, <laughs> cooling. It, Electrical. It, yeah, and you're like 19 <laughs> years old. Oh, here's everything you need to know about yep. mechanical systems. Yes. All right, on to the next thing. Right. So everybody's in that boat. 
And you're right. You know, I didn't think of it like the more mechanically inclined folks Mm -hmm. probably have an easier time with it. But yeah, I mean, it can be daunting. I mean, especially I've done some lab work before. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, labs is incredible. Some of the stuff that they have. Yeah. I mean, and I learned a lot, but still, I mean, uh, I, I wouldn't consider it. I'd, I'd still consider it a weakness of mine. Right. And even just sometimes the concepts, you know, with plate exchangers and yeah, like, like some of the stuff, I don't even know, like, how does steam become hot, like yeah. hot water? And it's just like, uh, why am I putting heat, hot water and, you know, going to heat exchange or, or whatever and it becomes chilled water or, you know, exactly. it's like, how does that even work? Yeah, I, I feel the know, same way. And, yeah, uh, yeah. There's some supers that work with us. I mean, there's a there's a couple of them that are very good when it comes to mechanical systems, and mm. I've been on projects with some of them, and I do my best to just you know, kind of follow in their footsteps, let them take the lead on those mechanical systems, and mm. you know, the, I learn the most about mechanical systems just by reviewing submittals, you know, uh, obviously reviewing the drawings, asking questions, sticking close to the foreman on site. Um, you know, we have an MEP department at Shawmut. Uh, a lot of times I'll partner up with them and just say, hey, give me the basics of this job and what the mechanical systems and what they're trying to accomplish here. And then, you know, I can probably take it from there. So, um, you know, it's it can be very confusing. Yeah. It can be very confusing. Yeah. I mean, and it's you, you can learn a lot from subcontractors, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, Especially I some learned good ones. There's some, some really good subcontractors that we partner up with. And, you know, if you have a good foreman on site, that's, you know. Yeah. That's the best thing that you, that's the best person you could learn from. Yeah. I've, I've always felt that way, even more than some of the senior supers that I've worked mm-hmm. under in right. the beginning. I mean, I felt like I almost learned more from subcontractors. Yeah. But, you know, you, you got to learn um, how to manage and sequence work and all that type of stuff from right. the supers. But uh, when it came to the technical stuff, yeah. um, and that's kind of the nice thing about our business. I think most people want to help teach you. Right. Right. Yep. Um, and I think it just you and I have talked about this in the past. If you have the right attitude, right. You know that 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 goes a long way. The right attitude. You come into the trailer, and I'm sitting in the trailer. You come in with a piss poor attitude. You know you're not going to get much out of me, and yeah. uh, I'm not going to try. I'm not going to want to help you. And you know, it's it's the opposite when somebody comes into the trailer. They ask a question. They got a good attitude. You know. Yep. And they want your help. And <clears throat> They want to partner with you. And yeah, that makes want you want to go the extra mile for them and help them whatever way you can. Yeah. You know? No, absolutely. Um, so you felt like the reality was that was your fear, kind of mechanical systems that ended up still being something you struggled with. Right. Um, anything else that you weren't expecting that kind of you know, were a big adjustment? The, I think the biggest adjustment was the safety. Um, yeah. You know, obviously the residential, you drive around town and you can see some of the guys up on roofs not tied off you know working off of uh either pump jacks or you know sidewall brackets no railings no no harness on and that stuff doesn't fly you know it doesn't fly in the commercial and definitely doesn't fly at shaman and um you know they get a pretty shaman has a great safety department and um just just trying to understand you know what the rules are uh and just adapt to having to deal with that that high level of safety you know mm. it obviously can slow the job down you know a little bit you know mm. you have a harness on and you're above six feet you know you have railings on and on a baker stage and that four feet or above and um you know obviously we want you guys to be safe but at the same time you're trying to get a job done and you know it can be difficult to weigh out that you know how important safety is but you know once somebody gets hurt on the job it's you know it's the worst feeling in the world and 
you know, and safety is definitely <clears throat> is definitely important, something that we definitely focus on. But that change from having absolutely zero safety restrictions coming from the residential end to having a very high level of safety in yeah. the commercial end was a big change. Yeah, and it's really, um, it's just that it's it's not necessarily that it's getting ignored on the residential side. Yeah, a lot of it just isn't known. Like right, it isn't known. <clears throat> They don't train. They don't get trained like some of the union trades that we deal with, yeah. um, or even some of the subcontractors. We have some great non-union subcontractors that yeah. have great training for their guys. Mm. In the residential end, that that really doesn't happen. Oh. The guys come to work in the morning, they go home at the end of the day, and they put in their eight hours. And there's, there's no, no training. There's no there's training. No, yeah, yeah. it's it's funny. I follow a few different folks that are residential mm-hmm. um, builders on Instagram. Yeah, I do the same. Yeah. And like it is shocking how many of them post pictures yeah, that them I'm doing just, crazy stuff. <laughs> and not even they don't even think they're doing crazy stuff. Right. They're just taking pictures like, hey, new 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 rooftop yeah. unit showing up and the guy standing on the fourth floor at the edge of the building taking it in with yeah. no harness on. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yep. And if they knew they they wouldn't put that out there, right? They, yeah, no, they you know, obviously you wouldn't ever do that at Shawmit and you know, doing it in the residential, I just don't, yeah, they just don't know. And it, or they're looking at it and saying, oh, well, there's no place for me to tie off up yeah. here. And they're not like, they're not so how else would you do it? Thinking of, of other systems. I yeah, I mean, there's plenty of, I mean, we've been in plenty of situations where there's no place to tie off, but there's, you know, always a plan that you can put in place. There's new technology nowadays that you can bring up to the roof, weights and uh, all sorts of all sorts of engineered systems. But Yep, and you get the right kind of, uh, whether it's a boom lift or a crane that right. can land it, in the location you need, you need it. it so you don't have to walk up close. to the it like there's all kinds of ways around it but right. like that's just not part of the culture on the residential yeah. side i mean i'm sure there's some companies that it, it really is but it's just so common i mean like it's crazy like one of them a guy's taking a video and the, he, <laughs> one of his workers they were they were smart enough to put um two by fours across the window openings because yep. the windows weren't in yeah but the guy is ducked under the two buys. The two buys, <laughs> and he's hanging off the side doing whatever he's doing, you know? And it like, you know, I mean, granted, I get it. Like, I, I probably wouldn't be that uncomfortable right. doing it. I wouldn't want my employees doing it. And I sure as shit wouldn't be putting it out for public comment, right. you know, consumption. That's the other thing. Don't you have to, if, if you knew. The liability there because what are you going to say oh we always focus on safety on our jobs and they like, open up your instagram profile and be like here's your guy on the edge of the roof here's the guy hanging off the yeah, side hopefully of the their building. insurance company isn't following him on instagram right you know? yeah i often think of that yeah. so i'm just like it it can't be just that they're like ah oh, it we got to get this thing done it, they're just, it's just not it's just not they just don't know the anything yeah i mean we have a safety officer at, at chomet who's just you know, the guys just aren't trained. They don't know. You know, he says it all the time. Some of the guys just don't know any better. They think they're doing the right thing, but they're, you know, they just haven't been through the training. And, mm. um, you know, obviously. And then you have the OSHA end of it. You know, OSHA is very involved on the commercial end. You know, we partner with OSHA a lot of times on projects. Um, but on the residential side of things, you know, they're there. You know, usually if an accident happens mm-hmm. or if they happen to be driving by and they see somebody doing something stupid. But, you know, I, I can say, you know, my father's been in business for 30 something years. My uncle and grandfather have been in business for, you know, 50 years. And I think they've seen OSHA maybe once or twice 
on their jobs. So that's you know more and, than more than some people, though, right? Right. And, like, and you know, it's like you know, if it's not always being enforced all the time, you know, you don't really practice it. Yeah. I mean, much. they're they're shorthanded. Oh, incredibly shorthanded. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they have on the enforcement side. Yep. It's pretty pretty darn light. I don't know how they. Um, I think they just you know they put out fires all day long. You know they yeah. go to where wherever the hot hot item is that day, or an injury or an injury or, that day, right? Yeah. You know they do some you know they do some cold calling. I've had OSHA show up at a job in Rhode Island. Just you know they would just it came up on there and they have a list that jobs show up and they they came out and did a visit and um, I've had OSHA on my job twice as a super and both mm-hmm. times went well. No no uh, no citations no issues you know. It was, clean right. visit so you know as long as you have your ducks in a row and you know paperwork's there and you know the guys mm-hmm. are doing the right thing you should be good yeah. and now you ended up landing in what predominantly the academic space yeah yeah i do a lot of academic work um i just recently i've been on downtime a little bit i just finished up a job at belmont day school so i recently just did a retail project uh at peloton over at chestnut hill but um mostly educational work uh, i do a lot of i spent a lot of time at harvard um I did a job, uh, educational learning center for Taco. They do pumps and yeah, uh, oh, yeah. yeah and down Cranston, Rhode Island. Yeah. Uh, I've done some work at RISD. Did a, a small building at RISD, um, but um, yeah. Did you see that thing I sent you that RISD did a cross laminated timber? You know what? I didn't have a chance. To, I didn't chance to look at it yet, but yeah. I, yeah, I got to check it out. It's on. You sent it to me on uh, LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah, it was a post on LinkedIn that I saw, okay. so I just shared it internally gotcha. to you. Uh, yeah, folks that are listening and wondering what we're talking about. <laughs> Last time I saw Joe, I knew his, uh, you know, wood frame background, and <clears throat> I was we were chatting a bit about mass timber and cross laminated timber, and he's like, "Yeah," he's like, "No, I haven't seen it in too many places or whatever." And then I turn around, and his company is <laughs> at RISD, a place that he works, is yep. uh, using cross laminated timbers right now, um, and uh, IPD. Did yeah, were well, they doing that when you were down there? So uh, a little bit. So I, they just finished maybe a year ago their first. IPD turnover uh, at Brown, uh, and then now it's becoming it's very popular down in Rhode Island, um, and we're trying to push it, you know, in a lot of other spots. But mm-hmm. Rhode Island, uh, Rhode Island, uh, sorry, RISD and Brown have really kind of taken off on the IPD yeah. end of things. I um, I made a comment on your post, and I said, you know, and I didn't put all of this, but to yeah. some degree, you look at Massachusetts, and you're like, we've got all this work, right. and we're crushing it, and fucking <laughs> Rhode Island is. They took they took much longer to start coming out of that recession. Yeah. Yep. Um, but then you look down there, and when it comes to like delivery systems, they're mm-hmm. just much more like uh, I hate to use the term, but like progressive. But like Advanced, yeah. you know, um, Brown now has been doing it for I mean over ten years. I'm yeah. sure. Um, and and it's funny you hear that was on the West Coast quite a bit more. Right. And this is the only things I hear. I don't yeah. know that to be the truth, but. Um, that was more prominent on the West Coast, never really came to the East Coast. But, the you know, for anything you might say that Rhode Island is uh, less than us in certain areas, maybe right. with size and volume of work and all that kind of stuff. But, I mean, the world's ahead of us when it comes to, like, delivery methods. Right. And now they're starting to use cross-laminated timbers. So now you have materials that, you know, we aren't using. So, um, I mean, kudos to Rhode Island. It's right. good, good. Yeah, we do a lot of work. We do a lot of work in Rhode Island and... Um, I know that the School of Engineering at Brown was a highly successful IPD project, mm-hmm. and um, we're kind of using that as our, 
baseline for yeah. all of our other IPD projects that we got going on. Yeah. Now, were you involved with any of them? I wasn't involved with it. No. I mean, we. Um, so we did. I was involved with the our office renovation uh, in Boston at Harrison Ave. Um, it wasn't IP. Well, it started off phase one. Started off as like an IPD lean style project, mm -hmm. but uh, we didn't finish it uh, as an IPD project. But I got the taste of what it's like. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, all the meetings that go involved, having uh, co-locations with the designers and the subcontractors and everybody being in the same pot and having, mm -hmm. you know, they all have, you know, uh, a vested interest on the outcome of the project. So yeah. it is, a, I mean, you know, it's, it's a pretty cool delivery system. And, you know, if it's successful, it, it works for everybody. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's everybody's vested in it. Yeah, maybe for someone that doesn't know what it is. So integrated project delivery. delivery. Yep. And maybe could you just give, you, you were talking about it, but so just it, maybe just roughly say loosely um, what it so is. So what I know about it is, you know, the subcontractors are all pretty much owners of the of the uh, of the project, so they all have uh, a vested interest in the success of the project. There's a there's a specific budget um, that the owner or the client sets, um, and if they go over in price in one area, they try and make up for it in another area. Um, you know, they use lean construction as yeah. part of uh, as part of the construction process and scheduling. Um, and really, it's you know, it's just kind of like a the the biggest team uh, dynamic that you could that you possibly could think possibly of. think of when it comes to a construction project. Yeah, you know, you you get all your major players of subcontractors that are just as important as a GC. Yeah, and I think um, the shared savings is kind of a big component of it, and um, I think that's really where you have the tie-in, right? So. To super simplify it, mm -hmm. if the number, the budget is a $12 million project, and they right. might say for the first million that we come in under, mm -hmm. everybody that's part of that shared team gets, certain percentage. gets you know, a certain percentage right. of that, right? And then for the next million, it's a little less, but you still like, so the more money you're saving, right. The project, the more, the more money, money you're you make making at the end. But where the tie comes in is historically, if <clears throat> the drywaller would have, and th and that actually was the design team I've seen in some cases too. I don't know, have you seen that? What's that? That the design team has the same share. Oh yeah, yeah. I think that's how. I think I'm, I'm pretty sure that's how it worked. <laughs> also down at at the school of engineering. Yeah. yeah. So where the drywaller might have historically just buried the plumber yeah. because hey it was his day on the schedule to go yeah now he's not gonna because the way it's structured if i'm understanding it correctly is that plumber now has to do more work it costs him more money he gets paid so that is less money coming, coming back out of, the pot. out of the pot so yeah okay you're gonna bury him but that's gonna cost you money down the line so everyone has a vested interest to help everybody else and i saw brown do a presentation on it um a gentleman that mike mccormick that was a more senior guy. I don't think he's there anymore, but he just showed a comparison from an IPD job versus non-IPD job mm -hmm. when it came to um, like RFIs and other like paperwork yep. measures. I'm escaping what the other one was, but uh, oh, and total drawings. Right? Okay, yeah, uh, or SKs probably maybe even yep. sketches, um, addendums, or whatever. Yeah, and it made sense because he said where historically you'd be like, oh, I don't know what the, this connection doesn't work. Right. Send Tell off. the GC, send the RFI, guy designs it. Now, if 
the architect is walking through the job and the, the person says, hey, this connection doesn't work, but I could do it this way. Are you okay with that? Yep. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Go. Yep, don't have to worry about documenting it. Yeah, yep. you know, and it's like it, they seem to have nothing but, you know, glowing terms to say about it. Now, I'm sure there's some downsides to it. I can't be all rose colored, but. Yeah, it's it's. I think the. I've done a few lean projects, which is, you know, part of the IPD process. And I think the biggest thing is just getting the subcontractors to buy in on it. The foreman, you know, the outside supers, the PMs or the subcontractors, you know, getting them to be involved, invested in the process is mm. what makes it successful. You know, if, you know, if they're, the... not, if, if they're not invested in it, if, if they're not, if they don't want to do it, they don't want to participate in the daily huddles. They don't want to participate in the mm. sticky notes. You know, that makes my job incredibly difficult. Yeah. And then, you know, the whole process really is, isn't worth it. Yeah. And now that's really the lean side of it though, right? right? Yeah. The lean side of things, which, yeah. you know, is part of the IPD. Y- yeah. I mean, but I also, I, I would wonder, I'd be surprised that if the financial aspect of IPD isn't enough of a motivator. I'm sure it is for some of the owners, you know, some of the owners, but, but is that foreman? Yeah. Is that foreman really making any more money? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I think, you know, as long as the groundwork is set up front before the project starts and, uh, you know, you know what you're getting into, I think, you know, nine times out of 10, it's successful. I wonder if anyone's ever considered financially incentivizing, or making companies financially incentivize lower level employees. employees. You know, I've. It would make sense, right? I think so. I've worked with an electrician in the past, and, um, you know, they get bonuses at the end of the project depending on um, how, successful. how successful the project was, if it came in on the budget, or hmm. man hours were less than what they thought it was going to be. Um, and I think that's I think that's awesome. I think, hmm. you know. That's what the foreman's job is to do, is to make sure, you know, the job comes in, you know, under budget or if it's trending to be over budget, what's the reason behind it and making sure they partner up with the GC on it. But, yeah. you know. I mean, everyone has that responsibility, right? You have the responsibility to look out for Shamit. Right. Electrical foreman has responsibility to look out for his company and drywall, so on That's and right. so forth, right? Um, what would you say to... Um, somebody's on the residential side now and thinking about I'd say making a move absolutely make the move really oh absolutely I think it was the best decision I've, I ever made um, you know it was it's just I guess you know if you're someone that likes structure that likes you know I'm not worried on a Friday about you know finding my check you know I'm not worried about um, you know benefits you know a lot of the commercial GCs, you know, they get good benefit packages, good retirement options. Um, you know, obviously, you know, you get paid regularly, uh, <laughs> which is the, a nice thing. Which is yeah. the big motivator. So, um, you know, and you learn, you just learn a lot more. You you deal with a lot more sophisticated contractors and, and workers and employees and people. And um, it's just, I think it's just, you know, I mean, you get some of that stuff in the residential and some of the larger companies, Pulte. Toll Brothers, stuff like that. Mm. I'm sure they're they're pretty sophisticated and do things similar to a commercial GC. But you know, some of the the, the smaller residential GCs, you know, they, they don't compare to how we do things at Charmid or you know, I'm sure how things go over at Suffolk or or some of the other competitors that we have. I mean, it's just you know, you know, I I wouldn't have 
if I looked, wouldn't have done it any different than how I've done it, you know. What do you think they could do to um, make themselves marketable? Some of our best supers that we have come from the residential world. Um, you know, we've got the supers that went through Wentworth or uh, Roger Williams and did that whole, um, you know, commercial construction degree and, mm-hmm. you know, but and we've got some great ones. And then you've got some other supers that just grew up, you know, building houses and all residential until they, you know, had the graduated college or high school and, you know, ended up coming to work for Shum. I think they, I think they're marketable themselves just from their experience that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's very similar the way you communicate with subcontractors and, um, you know, foremen, you know, the only difference is that usually it's a larger company with process um, that will train you and, and give you the, give you all of the necessities that you need uh, to get the job done, get the job done right, you know, and, um, you know, sometimes you don't get that in the residential end. Mm. What do you think of the transferable skills? You started talking about them a little bit, probably like the way you treat people. Right. That's probably a big one, right? Dealing with subs. Yeah. So, I mean, I noticed that in the commercial end of things, a lot of the union subcontractors that we have and some of the non-union subcontractors that we have that we work with, they're just more sophisticated. Um, And, you know, the foremen are more experienced. They deal with larger projects. They deal with these mechanical systems or, you know, the framers are, you know, just used to dealing with a superintendent and Mm -hmm. dealing with... You know, reading the drawings and understanding, you know, what the next move is. And um, kind of on the residential end, subcontractor kind of just shows up to the job and waits yeah. for you to tell him what, what he needs to do. To do you know, yeah. and, um, you know, on the commercial side of things, you, you, they, you know, those subs are just more yeah, sophisticated, more sophisticated and understand, you know, what mm-hmm. they're there to do. And I'm, I'm there basically for, you know, some quality control and scheduling and uh, obviously safety. Yeah. I mean, would you recommend that they spend more time in the drawings or, cause I mean, I, I have to imagine there's probably a fair amount of people working on the residential side that aren't working with the drawings or, yeah. you know, get your OSHA 10. Do you think like, yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, coming in the commercial end, you know, the OSHA requirement, Shaman has an OSHA 30 policy, so everybody will have to get an OSHA 30. But, you know, as long as you have a fair understanding of how to read a drawing, understand what a section is, understand what a plan view is, you know, mm-hmm. know what pages to go to if you're looking for a, you know, door or detail or whatever. I think, you you know, obviously, you know, you're not going to get thrown on a high-rise building right away. You can get your feet wet on something smaller. uh, Tenant fit out. Tenant fit out or, you know, my first job was a a lot of tenant fit out in the lobby in Rhode Island Blue Cross. And, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, understanding the process. Really, Sherman has such a good process when it comes to support. Um, Mm. They support me with mechanical. They support me with safety. Um, you know, there's technology support. So, you know, as long as you can hold your own and, you know, you, you have a basic understanding of what construction is, I think, you know, your experience, once you come to work for Shaman, they'll, they'll set you up for success. Hmm. And it, so it's funny, as we've had this whole conversation, in the back of my mind, I was thinking <clears throat> there'd be at some point where you would have had some kind of almost fondness yeah. for like, hey, you know what, like... 
it was nice to have to be able to throw on my tool belt every once in a while, <laughs> do this, I like, but I haven't heard any of that. Like, uh, <laughs> and that's well, fine. It's not wrong. I'm it's not, not, I'm not wrong. allowed to throw my tool belt on anymore. Uh, signatory, I, was, I'm signatory uh, of the carpenter. So I, I understand that. If I that. need to put my tool belt on, I got to, you know, got to call the hall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, but I mean, like, you, you know, you're oh, not I, I miss, oh, I miss, I miss it. I miss it all the time. I go to work okay. with my dad all the time on Saturdays if I'm not working or uh, if I'm like I'm on downtime right now, I'll probably do a couple of days with my father uh, just to just to get out there and bang some nails. But um, yeah, obviously you miss it. You know, a lot of times I'll compare myself to maybe a union carpenter I got on site and be like, man, you know, just if I had my belt right now, I'd you know I get out there and work with him or help him or show him how it's done, kind of thing. You know, you kind of get that. Yeah, and you know what? Like, oh, three two thirty. See you yep, later. See you later. Yeah, it's, like there's something to that, right? right? There's some value there, right? And yeah, um, yeah. Oh, I'm, you know, I miss it all. I, I miss it a lot. My wife asked me that a lot. You know, you miss, you know, you must miss working with the tools. And I'll do a couple side jobs, and and she'll she'll be like, ah, oh, see, you you miss you miss you know banging nails, and you know, you do, of course you, you do. Yeah, um, and it's funny. I like, I feel the same way now when I drive by a construction site. Yep. You miss being a super? Yeah. yeah. Like, and then I think about it for a minute and go like, fucking, what are you, an idiot? Like, stop it. Like, yeah. you it's forget, a with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you forget, like, what you didn't like, yeah. right? And you just remember you just remember the good stuff, I right? tell you, but, you know, it's it's so rewarding. It it's so rewarding. You walk away from a project at the end, especially, you know, some of the larger projects, and you walk away from it, and it's just like, you know, all the hard work that went into it and then walking away saying, wow, I built, you know, I built that building. Yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. I mean, you, I don't know if you've seen the things where they talk about, you know, um, you never hear an accountant driving with his kid and go by like some company and be like, son, I did the taxes yeah. for those people. Yeah, right. But you always see somebody in construction. Well, I built that I building. I built that building, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and there's something to that. Like a little bit you miss, like I legitimately miss like it being, you know, Six o'clock in the morning, mm-hmm. going coffee truck. Maybe it's a little cold because right. it's just starting, you know. And you're like, there's just a, you know, there's a, a feel to that. Yeah. Just being outside and being in the mix and yeah, being in the working alongside of, of everybody, you know. Yeah. Um, it is an <clears> ultimate <throat> team, you know, team experience. You know, it really is. It really, it's like you can't do it all yourself. And you know, if you have a good team, it's just you know, it's, <clears throat> it, it makes things so much easier and so much more successful. I mean. You know, we we have great project managers. We got a scheduling department. Um, you know, we all on the larger projects. It's like we mesh so well. It's just like you. Everybody pulls their own. It's like you know, Bill Belichick. Yeah. Everybody does their own job. Nobody gets in the middle of anybody else's shit. And you out there, you do you do your job. If you have a problem, you raise you know you raise your hand and yeah. you figure it out. And you try and do the best you can to figure out what those problems are before they are an issue. You know and. Yeah. Um, no, you're, you know, it's just a cool, just a cool experience. It, it's just you know, it's just you know, I wouldn't trade it in. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great experience, and I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about it's like kind of the ultimate team right. thing, especially when you get um, the larger projects where you can start to get a flow because it's repetitive. Right. So like, all right, like a now, high rise, yeah, yeah. Like once the first couple of floors, you're working out the kinks. Like mm-hmm. yeah, you'll do a mock up, but then you got to get the flow and then once everybody gets it down and everyone works together it's i almost think of it as like a basketball team right when the play is run 
or, or even football, even right. like in any of the team sports where you actually have plays. You don't need mesh. You just yeah, you know it, what everybody's doing before they do it. Yep. And mm-hmm. it just, you know, I could see, I've never built a high rise, but I could see how that, you know, could be like, you know, you know, the iron worker is going to take this long to get that rebar down on that slab. And I'm going to need to have my sleeves installed at this certain time. And, you know, it's just, you know, yeah. after the first couple of <clears throat> floors, you should be able to get it down pat. Yeah. And you really like, in going back to the team thing, like you could, after multiple floors, you'd see the iron worker or the rod buster get to a point and be like, hey, there should be a sleeve here. Right. And rather than just running right over it, he'd grab the plumber and say, hey, aren't you got?" And the plumber might be like, oh, no, it's going to jog over and go over here now. Okay, cool. But the fact that they're taking that time, it's like, how great is that? Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Um, And I'm glad we're having this conversation because I got, I forget if it was a comment or an email or what it was, but someone had reached out saying they really enjoyed the Mm -hmm. podcast, but would like if I could, if we could... um, have just some of the, just the disciplines like we had a lot of like yep. owners of businesses or c-level type yep. folks right but he said just like safety a super so i can right. know what it would like to do that yep. so i think this is good i didn't you know i didn't <laughs> intend for it to go this way um but i think it's good for people just to get a feel for maybe right. what it's like yeah. to have that execution i think it's awesome um so it's good. I think I've got a pretty good sense. Anything else you would say kind of pros and cons as far as either one of them? You know, one of the other things that I think um, is different in the commercial end, especially being a super, is, um, you know, you, I have to go on interviews for projects and mm. um, to win a job. You know, if, if I'm going to be busy in the fall, uh, I need to go out and win a job for Shamit. Uh, don't name me to a project and go in the interview. Like you can never do that in the residential end. You don't have to no interview way. for yeah. someone's house. You know, it's like you just build it. And you know, I think the front end of that and the front end of a project and interviewing for it and seeing it from the interview stage all the way to final inspection is is awesome. And um, you know, we interview for a lot of jobs and a lot of them we don't get, and it's it can be. You know, get down on yourself. Why did we get it? Did I mess it up? But, you know, really digging in on a project, you know, it's important to Sean it. You know, you got to go out there and you got to nail this interview, uh, working with a whole team of marketing specialists uh, that putting together the the slide deck. You know, you got your PM with you. You're working there from seven in the morning to eight o'clock at night, making sure this thing is right. You're doing, um, you know, interview prep in front of people you don't know that work for Sean, which is the Mm. most awkward thing sometimes. Oh, that's interesting. They do that. Oh, it's it's so difficult to do an interview prep. It's much easier for me to be in front of the actual client doing the interview than, you know, rehearsing it in front of like, I think I would feel the same way. You know, it's it's a little awkward, but you know, I think that's one of the most nerve wracking things that uh, I could say is a little bit different from the residential end is, you know, you know how important it is to win this job and you know, you do your best to dig in on the drawings, find things that might be issues find a creative way to bring them up in the interview to not make the designer feel like they missed something, but also show your value to the client. And, you know, you got to go in there and you got to crush it. And Mm. you think you crushed it half the time. And, you know, a lot of times you don't get, you don't get the project, but you know, when you do win it, I think it's, you know, feels great. The the phone call you get from your PX or the VP is like, Hey, we just got a call, you know, you got that job. It's like, you know, it's like, 
you know, not Christmas, but it's, you know, it's yeah, pretty no. sweet. It's yeah, a pretty sweet feeling, you know? No, absolutely. I mean, because in most of the time, you're not talking about small dollar no. wins. No, you know, you know, a lot of, you know, these are 20 million, 50 million, 100 million dollar projects that you're going out there trying to win, you know? Yeah. I mean, we interview for every, for every project, but, um, you know, sometimes projects are negotiated, um, but a lot of times, you know, you have to go out there and actually show your value to the client and make them you know, want to work with you. I mean, think about it. You get a $100 million win. <clears throat> that could be, for a company like Shamit out of the Boston office, you know, that could be 20, you just won 25% of their volume yeah. for the year yeah, or whatever cool. the right number yeah. is, right? I mean, I mean that's... It's, yeah, it's a cool, it's an awesome feeling. <clears throat> it's an awesome feeling. It just, that's what makes, you know, I think that's what makes my job just like <clears throat> so rewarding is just being, you know, Start to finish, yep. you know, in the variety, right? In the variety of stuff that we do. You're I mean, at different places. You're not always in the same office. You're yeah. working with marketing. You're working scheduling. You're working with right the VDC folks are estimating pre-con, right. all that stuff. Um, I think that's an important message to go out. I mean, for the people that are in the business, they they already understand this, but um, I think it's important for everybody in the business to help get the word out. I mean, we have a problem in our business, which mm-hmm. is there's a misconception. You know, someone says they're in construction, right. and everyone thinks that they're the guy digging a ditch or forming their walls or, or framing yeah. a deck, right? Yep. And those are all fine things to do, but that's not where it stops, right? No, right? It's massive uh, industry. Yeah, and there's just so much. I mean, people would walk through an office like Shamit or Consigli or Turner or Suffolk or whoever, and they probably have a hard time differentiating it between that and a tech company or an accountant right. or an lawyers office, right no, absolutely right? yeah, I mean, um, just like you talked about the interface with uh, you know your marketing folks when you're you know when you're going through these things like there's there's teams of professionals and no matter what you want to do whether it's technology or marketing or mm-hmm. accounting like there's a role in construction and a yep. lot of people um, don't realize that and I think we all have an obligation to make sure that that gets heard because just the best thing for for the industry yeah, yeah. for our industry yeah I mean we're always looking for you know we're always looking for for people to come work for us that are eager to to learn and and work hard, you know. And you know, a lot of our crew or folks that work in marketing or you know VDC are young and are you know trying to break in, and you know they work very hard. And mm. they're they're what you know actually helps us win these projects. Is their awesome you know three D walkthrough of a job or. Mm-hmm their sweet slideshow that they can put together on a slide deck. So Yeah. I mean, did you get a chance to look at any of the Smart Lab stuff from Suffolk? Uh, I saw, I saw, I think it was your, was yeah, your, your, on video. your Instagram? Yeah, yeah I had an, yeah. and then I had the woman that runs that lab, and like, it's just, it's yeah, amazing. It's, it's amazing what they're doing. Yeah. And I mean, it's a good transition, because like, it's, it's funny, as much as we've been talking about and what we've been talking about, I guess, what's the stereotype? And there's probably a little bit to it, which is that the residential world is going to be less savvy on the tech tech front. Tech side, yeah. Okay, probably less savvy on systems. Mm-hmm. You might think of them more as rather than having a system, it's kind of... All right, we'll get the drawings. I'm going to send them to Lumberyard. They'll price it up and tell them how much stock I need. And then I'll call Diamond Window and order some windows. And it's just very, the the image is much more kind of haphazard. And even though there's some 
some order to that. You don't envision it being a, a company using technology right. to streamline and become more efficient. And um, so you coming from that world, interestingly, have kind of morphed to the opposite, which is you came over and you really embraced technology and embraced it pretty quickly. I mean, now some of the things you're doing, almost almost everybody's doing right. now. Yep. But um, what was the driver? What kind of pushed you to say, we need to start adopting this tech early? So I'll tell you, uh, it was like early, probably early 2000s, I got a magazine. It just, I don't even know, I think it came in the mail and there was a huge spread on the boat building industry using 3D uh, technology to kind of show their clients and people that are buying boats what their boat's going to look like before it's built. And like, I immediately thought, wow, this would be awesome if we could do this for the for the houses that we sell. You know, we had, Mount got a great office. It'd be like, how can we find a way to build this house for this person in 3D and walk them through it? Like, we'd sell a million houses. People would be able to see what the house looked like before mm. they even, you know, were, were able to walk through it or could pick and choose what kitchens they want. And, you know, I think that's that sparked my interest in, like, how technology could work in construction. Mm. And little did I know that, you know, there was companies like Autodesk, you know, making Revit and Navisworks. And, you know, this stuff was just starting to sprout for the for the building. Yeah. Um, well, you, you tipped it off when you said yeah. it came in the mail and it was a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right? So, right. Yeah, so, they both kind of exist still, but yeah. like, you know. Yeah, right. It was, it was know, almost 20 years ago. 20 now, years right? ago almost. Yeah. And, and, you know, now it's like, any big job you do, you 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 want to have three D coordination on the mechanical systems. You want to mm-hmm. identify any clashes before they become issues in the field. Uh, you know, you want to review the structural foundations in steel, make sure that the columns are lined up, base plates are right, and um, you know, doing all that in three D. It also, you know, on some complicated jobs, maybe not like a high rise building, even though those are complicated. But you know, we do some complicated fit outs, uh, reno- gut renovations with additions that. You know, you really can't get a good sense of what the job actually is until you see it in 3D. You know, it's mm. like you can get a good idea of what it looks like from the paper drawings, but once you open up the model and actually see, you know, all the mechanical systems all together, all in one area, and like all the clashes that might or might be there from the start, and how we're gonna fix that, it's like, you know, if you really get a, you really get an understanding for what the job actually is, and mm. you know how much work actually needs to actually still go into this before you even start foundations or start excavations. Yeah. Like where do you, um, where do you probably see the, uh, and all those things obviously a value, right? That's really, they're all coordination to some degree, right? Uh, Everyone yeah. thinks coordination, thinks mechanical systems, yeah. but you're coordinating the anchor bolts and the base plate, right? Like yep. it's coordination, it. I mean, right? we just, I did a job at, at Harvard. It was at the uh, science <clears throat> center at the Capitol library. We, we modeled everything. We modeled all the all the framing. We modeled all the millwork was modeled by the by C W Keller. Um, all the mechanical systems were modeled. It was it was such a it was such a diff, it was a difficult project where you know the paper drawings really didn't exist after the model was approved and mm-hmm. clashes were uh, figured out and, and fixed. Everybody on site was building off of the 3D model, and mm-hmm. it was it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty rewarding. I mean, we put a ton of work into the 3D model. We made sure we laser scanned the building because it was an existing building. Nothing was perfect. Um, you know, we made sure all the clashes were squared away. Duct work was all the right size. Had insulation on the model, piping, and you know, 
we, I'd be able to walk through the job, and if there was a clash happening on site, I knew it wasn't in the model because we squared away. I could literally pick a point anywhere on the job and measure in my model and do it in sight. And if they weren't within an eighth of an inch or a quarter of an inch, they you know they needed to move it. Wow. And uh, it ended up being it ended up being a successful project at the mm. end, but it was it was very difficult to get there. Um, and if it wasn't for the 3D model, we probably would never have gotten there. Hmm. It, it's interesting that you say how everybody adopted that, and then it was almost like they abandoned the yep. paper. Yep. Um, it's interesting because I was walking a job, and it was really eye-opening for me because being removed from the actual field construction yep. process is still am involved with construction, but I don't have the need to see a model with what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was walking with a young lady, Stephanie Cropo from Bond, yep. right? And she's probably two years out of school. She's 26 years old, right? Yep. She's walking around and she's got her iPad and they have like, you know, whether they call it this or not, but what most companies will call like a BIM box or yep. whatever you want to call it. And that box was down. And we're walking around and all of a sudden the pipe fitter's like, hey, 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 you know what I mean, right? And it's like this grizzled old fitter, yeah. right? You know what I mean? Never and think that he'd be trying to navigate his way through a 3D model. Yeah, he's yeah. like, the, the box is down. He's like, can you pull the model up on your I on had. your tablet, right? Yeah. So she whips out and, and he he wants to know which way the valve is positioned, yep. Yep. right? And he's like, I need to know what, you know, and he's like, oh no, that right there and he's blowing it up. But And you see this 26-year-old female right right which is rare in our business yep. right you think young female using tech with this grizzly old pipe, pipe fitter. fitter guy yep right and both of them are huddled over that tablet and solve their problem like that and he was lost without it yeah you know it becomes where a, it becomes <clears throat> becomes your crutch it becomes your crutch it becomes you know your way of life once if that model is legit See, the problem is, you know, I've done a lot of projects where we've, yeah, we've had, quote, unquote, 3D coordination. And, you know, you go through the effort of getting through clashes. But, you know, the archi- you never get an updated model from the architect on changes. So the walls aren't in the right spot. And garbage it, in, it, garbage it, out. It, it's right? garbage. The model's yeah. garbage. If you don't keep it up to date, the model's garbage. It's worthless. Mm-hmm. And as long as you keep it up to date and you, you have a team that's working on the changes and your subcontractors are willing to go in and make the changes as issues happen on site... That model's gold. That model, mm-hmm. like, there's nothing better than having a well-coordinated 3D model of your project. Like, that model's gold. You can pull a dimension, an elevation from any point of the building that you know is good, uh, and you know, and sh- show your subcontractor while you're standing right there underneath that location, mm-hmm. you know, where he needs to go with his pipe. You know, I find it a lot on the sprinkler end because sprinkler draw for whatever reason, sprinkler drawings are tough to read. Um, you know, and we had a problem on my last project where the pipe was so low coming across some of the classrooms. And I'm like, sometimes I look it's right here. Right, yep. yeah. So I pull up the model and on his paper drawing, he had an, an elbow, a 90, that was supposed to turn up out of the main. And he turned it down. Yeah. But it looked like on the model, I mean, on his paper drawing, that it turned down. But he didn't do a good job of reading his elevation markers. And, um, you know, he ran about 30 or 40 feet of pipe that was, you know, 10 inches too low mm. and you know luckily we caught it before we went too far but you know just by pulling up on the model and zooming in on that location real fast you know solved four or five clashes on site yeah and how much time oh a ton of time because he probably right. would have put that whole pipe in you know and we wouldn't have found out we had an issue until the plumber ran a sanitary line and was going smack dab into it you know yeah 
Wow. Um, I've heard you say as well, so like all this stuff again, really is coordination, right? Um, Coordination, access to information. Um, How about kind of interface with the owner? You know, we would we would chat one time, and you were kind of talking that it just the value that I can kind of bring on the front end, and that's not really that kind of falls outside of that coordination. You know, I think it's both the front end and the. And as I'm walking out the door, turn over, you know, the turn over because on if, the front it's a, end, if it's a good model, again. if it's a good model, right? Mm-hmm. So on the front end, you know, you show your client, you know, your value because very rarely do you get a bunch of models from your mechanical engineers and your structural and your architect that are fully coordinated, you know? Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going through this right now on the project I'm starting at Andover Hall. I'll be, you know, the mechanicals are only at 50% designed, but... There's a gazillion clashes right now. Ductwork's drawn, doesn't have insulation. It's hitting. It's already got hard clashes with each other. There's no way to hang it. Um, stacked on top of each other and all sorts of crazy stuff. So, you know, we put it in. A, we either have a meeting with them and go through these items with them and just show them. Look at. When you're saying, I'm sorry. When you're saying them, you mean owner or with the owner? With okay. the owner. I mean, yep. we don't have subs on board yet, so yep. we'll get the we'll get the client, the owner, on board, and we'll say, you know, we understand your design firm is working on these items but look at this is what we this is what we found this is the these are the things we need to focus on if we're going to start putting foundations in you know come fall we need to be able to make sure that these areaway openings are tall enough for us to fit ductwork in mm-hmm. or that these penetrations going through the foundation are in the right spot so you know we really need the design team to start focusing on these items and not so much you know mill work which might be a year and a half down the road you know yeah and Millwork is exciting to people. And millwork is exciting to people, right? right? Yep. The, and, it, and it typically has a large dollar value associated with it. And I can understand that, you know, the client might be looking to understand what the millwork package is so that they can either cut back or add whatever their budget might be. But, you know, on a phase, the job isn't phased, but the way we're getting information is phased for this mm-hmm. upcoming job at Harvard, <clears throat> where it's important to us that we have the, the main runs of the mechanical systems designed early on enough that we make sure we don't need beam penetration through steel because we're getting yeah. ready to release steel to make sure we don't have penetrations through the foundations and if they, we do have penetrations that they're in the correct Cut location the so you have you block know. outs and all yeah that. so you have because it's you know you want to make sure you get the correct rebar around the around yeah. the, not, the sleeve and you're not saw through, cutting the right. side of the foundation wall yeah. yeah and um but there's a lot to be said for that uh seeing the visualization of those clashes is a lot easier to understand than if you look at tradi- or old coordination drawings mm-hmm. where they were 2D and it was it's just impossible. Everybody got a different <laughs> it's, color. It's you could grab a person off the street and, and say, here, spend two hours and yep. just tell me what you're looking at. You don't have to tell me where anything goes. And they wouldn't have a fucking clue. It's impossible. It looks like just absolute spaghetti. Yeah. I don't even know why. We still submit them. I don't even know why we do it. It's like, a, yeah, exactly. A, Bunch of spaghetti on a piece of paper. Yeah. So for an owner to look at it, you just say to the owner, hey, look, this is a problem. Like, that doesn't translate. You show them that, look, here's our problem. They have this giant piece of ductwork running into that beam and this pipe run, and they can understand the severity of that and say, okay, you know what? The the detail on the top of that 
crown molding or something is not my issue right, right. now. This is this is my yep. issue, right? Yep, exactly. Um, and it really helps communicate it. So, it's and then too the, big. Go ahead. And then the t- yeah, like I was going to say, the tail end of the of the project. Once you have the model completely coordinated, to be able to hand that over to either the building manager or the client is like it's 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 the greatest thing that they ever had because you know if they ever need to look for a valve if they need to trace a system out mm. they have a fully coordinated as built system in 3d that they can access from you know their computer or their ipad at yeah. any any point in time yeah. now i think on the academic side you probably run into clients that will value that document mm-hmm. i've heard a lot of frustration from people that say yeah it's great that we hand over this model and then it never gets opened because yep. they don't have the software to open it. They don't bother to even get it the free D the free viewer free you viewer. could get on. And it's just a waste and it's so valuable. It is. And it's a shame that the owner doesn't realize it and can't get the value from it. Right. So, um, but you find with your clients that, you know, they have facilities, they facilities guys. So, you know, yeah. they're the, the building manager is, you know, we're building a job for Harvard, but really the building manager is my client. He's the one that mm. I'm turning this building over to mm. in two years. He's the one that needs to know how to shut valves off, needs to know where the plumbing mains are needs to know, you know, where all his duct work mechanical, I mean, his duct work, uh, maintenance items are. So, mm. you know, to have it on the model, and he's going to be involved too during the coordination process. Maybe not in every single meeting, but before maybe we put an approval in, we'll run it by him, make sure he's okay with some locations of valves, make sure he's okay with the ductwork locations and filter locations and stuff like that, because he's the one that's really going to service these things. Yeah. Um, so you know, sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes they have to go where they have to go because of architectural or structural restraints. But mm-hmm. you know, at least he understands what those restraints are and you're not walking through at the end of a job with jip ceilings and a small yeah. access panel and saying here's your yeah. access point good luck <laughs> sorry you're screwed yeah, yeah he yeah, understands yeah. what you went through to get that access point for him mm-hmm. and you know isn't saying oh, you know being a monday morning quarterback coming yeah. to the end of the job you know okay. so that's you know i think it's important for that and and like you said we you know we that's harvard you know they obviously utilize those models and they're used to GCs and sophisticated GCs giving them that type of information. Mm. I just did a job at Belmont Day School where they probably never seen a 3D model before, but you know we turned it over to them. Not only the 3D model, we also used a product called Matterport. It's a yeah. camera. I don't know if you're familiar I, with it. I am. I wanted to. I wanted to talk about this yeah. a bit. We're, we're we're getting near the okay, end, so, so I'm kind of bummed. But yeah, go ahead. Go it's for a it. pretty cool camera. You walk it through your job, it takes a 3D image of, or a full 3D dome image of your projects. You can zoom in at any point in time. So we did it before we closed up all the walls um, and we handed that over to him as well. So that anytime he needs to add something or if he's looking for something or if he wants to, you know, run something through a wall, he can go and find exactly what's in the wall. At whatever yeah. location he's at yeah it's about i did so we just put a dormer on my house uh-huh. and the it was the electrician that who i knew because he back when i was a super he was the yep. union electrician he opened his own company and i had him doing electrical here um and when it was happening he goes listen he goes walk through right now mm-hmm. with your phone and take photos video it yeah he goes video the walls video and I've used it three times yeah. already. Yeah, it is. It's it's incredibly valuable. You know, hanging some like custom kind of closet things in the yeah. inside, and the electrical panel butts my wall. Yeah. 
Well, make sure you're not screwing with an electrical panel. Yeah, yeah, and obviously yeah. the panel is probably hard enough a bit, but so much wire because it's nothing's right. a conduit. It's coming yeah, it's down just, those walls. Yeah. I didn't know if it's bundled, and I'm going to throw a screw through it. Yeah. Bingo! I look at it like, how valuable is that? Uh, right? Yeah. You know, it's there for you know, and, they, and he's got it forever. So hmm. you know that for for Belmont Day School, maybe the models aren't so much value for them, but that Matterport file is is like gold. You know, hmm. it's and for a school like that who does upgrades all the time or wants to add a wireless access point somewhere a data line they can easily see what walls can they can snake and which walls they can yeah um i was talking with some guys at emj they're they're bigger in other parts of the country but they're up in massachusetts now um and they use matterport mm-hmm. on pretty much all their jobs it sounded like and they do it and they do it in phases right where like someone's going out you know once a week or once or two weeks and just 3D video and, yep. you know, the whole thing, just so they have all that access to the information as it happens. People can do updates if there's somebody in another state wants to know the progress. Like, that's, it's just... That's it, that's what helped us also at, at Belmont Day was it was the, the engineers. They were able to, you know, view the project uh, in high-def vision, high-def photos, yeah. you know, and they weren't they weren't too low. They were local, but they weren't too local where they were on the job every day. So, yeah. you know, they were able to see progress as it went with the Matterport link. Yeah. For folks that don't know, um, Matterport actually originally, and just so they can understand what mm-hmm. it is, when you look at homes now online, right. and they'll do the 3D tours. Yeah, that's through Matterport. Those are Matterport. Yeah. And yeah. that's what it originally started as, yeah. and now it's been moved into the construction industry. Shumitz, I think, looking, I mean, we're still, we still have Matterport, but we're looking at a more, uh, so in order to have the Matterport file and images you know somebody from our site has to come out and do do that you know photo taking they they we have one person that does it for us so mm-hmm. sean is actually looking at a different program where you can actually do it with your iphone and in a in a like a high def camera mm-hmm. and you can just kind of walk around the job and it will uh link photos to a uh floor plan in the almost the same way matterport does mm-hmm. it but I'd be interesting um, to... Yeah, I'll send you over the information. Yeah. I, I don't know exactly the, the manufacturer of it, but it's. I think we're getting ready to pull the trigger and we're going to probably use it at hand overhaul. Okay. All right, so I was going to do a lot more tech, but we ran out of <clears throat> time. Um, <laughs> but my usual ending question, yep. over the next 12 months, what do you... You know, and it could be 12 to 16, or well, this, isn't, this isn't a science, but um, you know, what do you think we're going to see more of in the industry? And the follow-up is going to be, what do you think we're going to see less of? Okay. I think, so I'll start with the less of, actually. So mm. I think, you know, I think one of the things we're starting to see is we're starting to see less brick-and-mortar buildings, less brick-and-mortar retail stores. Um, you know, it's we're trying to adapt a little bit to that and partner up with these larger companies to do some other stuff for them other than retail, other than their retail stores, maybe get into their headquarters or... Um, manufacturing plants, stuff like that. But, um, you know, some of our very high-end clients are not building as much mm. uh, just because of the online, you Makes know. sense. Yeah, yeah, because of everything you can get on the internet now. Are you guys doing, like, pop-ups for anybody ever? Um, I think we just did... Um, I think we just did one of the pop-up store in, in Boston that you go take Instagram photos of. It's at... Uh, I forget the I forget the name of it. Huh. It's a uh, you like go in there and they have a whole bunch of backgrounds where you can take uh, photos on Instagram and uh, but yeah we do we'll do for our clients we'll do pop up stores for them. I think we just did one for Louis Vuitton not too long ago out, mm-hmm. out in California. Um, 
Because as you were building, and, and I was wondering if you guys are doing that as well, as you were building, I knew you were building the Peloton, mm-hmm. and I saw a Peloton pop, pop up, up around the Boston Marathon, Right. and I was wondering if... Yeah, we could... didn't have any involvement with that, yeah. but I mean, we, yeah, we do stuff like that for our client. We'll do anything that the clients ask for. Mm. Um, what do I... Less brick and mortar. That's good. I was not expecting that at all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's, I mean, something that we focus on a lot, we, you know, Les Hisco, who's our... CEO talks a lot about it in our meetings mm. and just tells us, you know, how, how important it is that when we do get these brick and mortar stores that we, you know, we get to knock it out of the park. So mm. they continue to use us, obviously. But Now, do you think, and maybe this isn't uh, in your wheelhouse, but I'll ask it anyway, and just your, kind of your opinion, not 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 as a shaman person, but mm-hmm. just, just generally, um, do you feel like you might have to, to, as an outsider, I see less chain in more um like local yeah more individual like think about the amount of breweries that have opened oh up, yeah yep. right yeah you might have a sam adams and a harpoon <clears throat> but for every one sam adams or harpoon you're seeing 97 different you know yep. which something or other and yep. fucking down the road <laughs> and fucking up the road yep. and they're trying to put one in foxborough actually right uh, right now yeah okay. there's a Shoveltown brewery that's in easton that's trying to go they're trying to also put a second location at the old firehouse in in foxborough center but yeah and then um, you look at even restaurants right um you know less of the especially in the urban areas like where you guys do a lot of work in boston you're seeing more individual chefs right less of you know what you might see as a bertucci's or a, even some a high-end steakhouse right. or something less of I that and more of the yeah boutique I mean, type stuff yeah i mean we do we do we do all that stuff but mm-hmm. i think you i think you are right i think you know there is a lot more now of those local kind of boutique style either jewelry or restaurant or brewery or you know entertainment venues that are that are popping up kind of that may even have chains. like and i wonder where this is interesting where it's kind of the inverse where maybe those corporate clients are selling more online right so kind of brick and mortar shifting to online mm-hmm. where we're seeing there's like west roxbury there's a cake baking place yep. she started a online and instagram just right and now, and, and now, she and now has, she's open a storefront so you almost which see like, it's almost like a yeah it's almost like a full circle yeah 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 it's pretty i guess it's i never looked at it that way either but yeah you are right you know there's there's all you know when they become successful from selling everything online they need a they need a place to go if they want to open up a store so right because they only can do so right. much in their house or in their garage or whatever yeah so i wonder if it's a strategy uh, i'm completely hijacking this yeah. year on you this was your question <laughs> but uh, I, you've got my wheels turning yeah. when you said less brick and mortar <laughs> Like, I wonder if it's almost worth a strategy to start focusing on small local businesses mm-hmm. and, like, support them in some capacity in the hope that as they grow, you know, um, you are there to partner with them. Yeah, but, I mean, yeah, maybe we'll have to talk, we'll have to, talk to Les about that. Yeah, <laughs> Les, you listening? <laughs> uh, I'll send them a link. Um, yeah. And then what I think I see, we'll see more of, you know, I think technology is just constantly evolving. Um, yeah. Especially as a super, I'm always looking to you know stay ahead of of the uh, technology curve and anything I can do to you know whatever it might be you know my Revit classes or uh, AutoCAD classes or any of that anything that has to do with technology I think is just going to become more and more. And if you're a superintendent, you know technology probably never take your job. There'll never be a robot that's a super that deals. You know you always need that human element, mm-hmm. but. 
you know, I, I really truly think that the supers that don't use technology um, and are old school and paper drawings and paper submittals and, you know, not on Procore or BIM 360 field or whatever those other platforms mm-hmm. might be, I think they'll start to get, they'll start to weed out and the supers that do use technology um, and use kind it well rise to the top. will start to rise to the top. So you know. no robot, but you'll be in an exoskeleton with uh, <laughs> contact lenses to see your augmented reality. Yeah. Is that what, that's yeah. what's going to happen? I, I hope it doesn't go that <laughs> crazy. I mean, obviously you see some of that crazy stuff. Shamit rolled out one of those exoskeleton uh, uh, suits at, uh, at one of our company meetings. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty funny. So. All right. Well, Joe, I appreciate you spending this time. This is great. Um, I think everybody's going to learn a lot. And thanks, yeah, thanks for out. having me. Awesome. Appreciate it. Thanks, Joe. Hey, everyone. Can't thank you enough for listening to the show. Uh, Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you loved what you heard. Um, If you did, if you wouldn't mind heading over to SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever it is that you listen, and give us a rating. It would help us to get heard, which would be huge. Keep this thing going. Um, If you want to get more involved, head over to massconstruction.org. You can see what we do there. You can also connect with us on LinkedIn, Instagram, or Facebook, all from that page whatever your medium is that you prefer. Uh, And last thing I got to say is thank you, thank you, thank you.